you. So we're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter 14 tonight as we open up the Bible and uh, uh, get prepared uh, for the word this evening. All right, let's have a word of prayer uh, before we get started. Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come together tonight. And uh, Lord, it's summertime, it's, it's Wednesday, and, and uh, we're, we're just blessed that you've been so good to us. And we're thankful, Lord, for the joy that we find in you. Lord, I pray that you'll help me tonight to encourage our church family. Uh, I know that they're tired. I know that they've been dealing with a lot of things this week. Uh, and they're here, and they're seeking to be ministered to. And our children are being ministered to down the hall, babies in the nursery, our teenagers up on the hill here, and discipleship going on throughout the building. We're just praying, Father, for it to be a spirit-filled night upon this campus. And we thank you for the opportunity to faithfully serve you, and we give you thanks for it all. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Exodus 14. I wanted to... Uh, uh, step away tonight from Second Thessalonians. Of course, last week we had our Learning Center graduation. And um, tonight we're going to be looking here at this chapter. In uh, chapter 14, we're going to make it on down. We're going to look at the whole chapter tonight. And the title of my message this evening is Attempt Great Things for God. And I'm sure you've heard that statement before. Um, I have a book in my library uh, written by Warren Wiersbe. I got it a number of years ago. It's entitled In Praise of Plotters. And it's a book just of short messages, really, that are meant for encouragement. And uh, the, the title of the message uh, comes from a saying that William Carey used uh, to his nephew to describe, the, uh, describe his life in summary, in praise of, in, of plotters. Of course, William Carey, if you don't know who he is, he's considered uh, by many to be the father of modern missions. Uh, where uh, I used to minister up in Tennessee, and the, the Baptist Association up there uh, was called the William Carey Association. And, and that had really had to do with the missions program in that particular uh, community. And uh, so William Carey is a very well-known individual in regards to, to missions work. You know, he only had, Craig, he only had an elementary education. He was not that well educated, yet he self-taught himself. And by the time he was a teenager, he could read the Bible in six different languages. That's pretty incredible. He went on, he became the professor of, of uh, Oriental Languages at Fort William College in Calcutta. And with his printing press... Scriptures were provided in over 40 languages and uh, sent out to more than 300 million people. And that was before all of the advantages and technological advances that we have today. So there's no doubt he was successful in his work for the Lord. And some ask, well, what is his secret? There's got to be something behind that. What what was, what was it about him? What did he have that caused him to be so successful? And he was uh, speaking to his uh, nephew, who I think was by the name of Eustace, I believe. And he said, Eustace, if, if someone has ever um, filled the need to write the story about my life, 
He said, let it be known one thing, that my genius, that, let me rephrase that. He didn't refer to his genius. He just referred to um, the fact that he says, let it be said that I could only plod. That was the phrase that he used. I can just plod. I can just keep going. Now, plod is not something that we use too often today in that phrase. A plotter is someone who is willing to get his feet wet. It's an old Middle English word that means puddle. And the Danish use it as a term that means mud. So you have mud and, and a puddle. And so a plotter is someone who will wade through the water and the mud to get to his destination. In other words, he perseveres. He keeps going. And it's the same William Carey who is attributed, is credited with a statement that we hear so often, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. And so uh, that's, that's really where I want to uh, just get us started tonight as we get through this chapter uh, because it encourages us to attempt great things for God. Now let's read verses 1 through 9 just to give us a context before we really get into the main body of our message tonight. Okay, So in verse 1, Exodus 14, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and account before Pihiroth, between Migdal and the sea over against Belzavon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. So the Lord is telling Moses where to camp. Everybody got that? He's telling them specifically where he wants them to stop and set up camp that evening. And he goes on and tells Moses in verse 3, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. So he is, he is going ahead and saying that when Pharaoh sees where you're camped at, he's going to think you, are, you, you, have, closed your, you have backed yourself into a corner. And you are an easy target for his army. And he goes on and he explains to Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host. Why? That the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. That all may know, right? That all may know. And God says, I'm going to back you into this corner so that when Pharaoh sees you, he sees an easy target. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I want the Egyptians to know that I am God. And they followed the Lord and they did so in verse 4. Now, let me say this. Moses knew why God was going to, the rest of the people didn't know. Right? Moses is leading. He tells them this is where we're going to stay tonight. And everybody, everybody does so. Now, 
Watch verse 5. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made his chariot and took his people with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping them by the sea beside Pyroth and, by, and before Belsephon. Okay? Can you say with me, Israel is exactly where God wanted them to be. We can all agree with that. We can all see that, right? The Lord led them to this spot and for them, it was a, there was nothing wrong with it. It was a good spot. But what they didn't know is that trouble is coming. Pharaoh had finally, after the killing of the firstborn children, Pharaoh had finally decided, I am going to let Israel go. He's had enough. And he has let them go. And now the people are murmuring, and now they're saying, why did we do that? Why did we let them go? And that's just the thought that they had. And so they decide, and Pharaoh decides, forget this, we are going after them. We're going to wipe them out and take care of them once and for all. And so their powerful army, they're, they're ready, and so they begin to follow them. And sure enough, they find the Israelites backed up in that corner. They've got the sea to their backs. There's nowhere for them to go. It's an it's a incredible opportunity for Pharaoh and he decides he is going to attack. What we need to realize tonight, before we move forward here, just because trouble has come does not mean that God is punishing us. All right? George Mueller had this to say. God delights to increase the faith of his children. He says we ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory... Instead of wanting no excuse for patience, we ought to take them from God's hand as a means. I say it, and I say it deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. It's a man very well known for his faith. We look at trials and we look at challenges and we thank God we're backed in a corner. We have nowhere else to go. We look at his trouble and we think, why is God doing this for us? Why is God doing this to us? Why has God put us in this situation? It may be, Larry, because he wants some people to know who the Lord is. I hope I get a bigger amen than that. It might be that you and I, we're in that situation because we're about to see God do something. Huh. Well, there's three things I want to break down here. The problem of the past the priority of the present, and the faith to go forward. Well, let's read verse 10 together, okay? And when Pharaoh drew nigh, when he came clear, close, the, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. When the children of Israel looked back, they, they, they had to be looking back toward Egypt 
because that's where the army is coming from. They're not looking forward at where they're going. They're looking back to where they have already been. And when they look back, they see their oppressor. They see those who have hurt them. They saw people who had hurt them in their past. And when we think about it, many of us struggle with the same things when we look back. When we look back, we can see other people that have caused us pain and heartache. Or it may be that we're looking back at ourselves because we have left ourselves with memories of regret and sorrow. And there's things that we wish that we could forget and leave behind us and never to see them ever show up again. Whatever it is, the memory can trigger something within us that causes immediate dread and fear. Because it says that when they saw them, in verse 10, when they saw Pharaoh and they lifted their eyes and the Egyptians are marching toward them, the Bible says that they were sore afraid. If we're not careful, the fear of our past can leave us so discouraged that we're defeated before the battle ever begins. And when that happens, we don't march forward in faith. We, became, we become afraid of faith. Look at verse 11. The, the, Israel, the children of Israel said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt... Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore, why hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Complete sarcasm. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? They're looking at Moses. And all Moses is doing what God told him to do. They're looking at Moses, and they, they don't see God, they see Moses. And they said, listen, buddy, there were plenty of graves in Egypt. We could have just stayed there, but you have led us out here. Now you've backed us in this corner, and we are afraid. When you become afraid, Sarah, when you get afraid, you quit going forward in faith. When we become afraid, we become afraid not because we look at the greatness and power and wonder of God. We become afraid because we look at our problem. We look at our struggle. We look at our trouble. And that's what scares us to death. And we're terrified. We're terrified that, to the point that we're, not going, we, we're taking our eyes off of God and we're looking at our present uh, uh, fear. And we're afraid to go forward. And really the reason that we're afraid to go forward is because we're scared that we're going to fail. Look at verse 12. Is, is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt? We've, we've, we've told you this. We told you to leave us alone. Just let us serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They would rather just stay in Egypt as in bondage rather than come out here and fail. It was better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Well, I don't know about you, but I wrote this down. I believe it's better to die a free man than to die a slave. 
Amen? They were slaves. They were in bondage. They were overwhelmed. Sometimes we forget where we come from. We're slaves to sin. We're slaves to our past life. We were in bondage. Away from God. Why do we ever look back to that life and wish we could go back? But we've all done it. And people do it all the time. Why would we ever go back to what we've been saved from? We go back because somewhere we lost faith. Somewhere we got afraid. Somewhere we felt like we can't do this. And our fear causes us to look back there and wish we would have just stayed there than have to fight this battle. I see some of you nodding your heads. Can I get amen there? Just because you're saved don't mean you don't have to fight don't mean you don't have to fight any battles. You're gonna have to fight some battles. Except this time you're you got the Lord on your side. Hello? This time you got the Lord on your side. And you're not fighting by yourself. Now, look at the priority of the present, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians, whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Is that not enough to encourage you? The Lord will fight for you, and you will be at peace. You shall hold your peace. God's going to take care of it for you. I like that. I'd much rather let God take care of it for me than me have to do it, wouldn't you? Moses says God will take care of it. Now, Mo Moses addresses their fears in verse 13 by telling them to do three things. The first one is this. He says, fear ye not. Don't be afraid. What's he tell Joshua? Be strong and of a good courage. Don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. That's what he told Joshua. And God wants us to know, and he says it many times in the Bible, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? We have all of those promises in the Bible. We're not facing anything alone. And we're not facing anything that God don't already know about. And we're not facing anything that God didn't know it before we got there. Right? You have that throughout the Bible. And so, if we know that, and we're looking at things through eyes of faith, then we, can, then we can get some courage and not be afraid. We can overcome our fear. Our fear will always leave us running. Our fear will always call us, cause us to hit the ground and ball up and beg for mercy. But faith, realizes that God is with us, and we keep going forward. So he says, don't be afraid. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says that it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
So you've got to get your eyes on the Lord. Then he tells them in verse 13, he says, fear you not. And he says, stand still. Now Moses is telling this. Stand still. All right? Sometimes, as the, as, uh, the Lord said in, uh, to the psalmist in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes you just need to stop. Stop running around. Try to do everything. Just stop and be still and see what God does. Sometimes we need to do that. We just need to take a pause and say, I wonder what God's about to do with this. That, that takes faith. It's not easy. And sometimes it takes a lot of patience. But it's better to see God do something with it than us running back to Egypt. Amen? So just stand still. Moses is telling them. Listen, I know you're afraid, but don't be. God's got this. Stand still. And then the third thing he tells them, and see the salvation of the Lord. Just watch. Watch what God is about to do. What are, I have this question. What are we looking for? Are we looking through eyes of faith for God to do something big? Or are we looking through eyes of fear for everything to fall apart? Because if it is something big, it is going to be something that we have to say, we can't do this, right? And if we can't do it, then we're afraid. Because all of us like to have a little bit of control and a little bit of say-so. We all do. When we're walking into something unknown, there's fear. But if it, if it is going to be only God, then Christy, that means it cannot possibly be you. And that's a scary place to be. So we have to look at it through eyes of faith. What is God about to do here? All right? So if God's going to do something big, and we all want to see God do something big in our life, what's well, going to get us to a very uncomfortable place? All right? You've got to realize that. If we're not looking at it through eyes of faith, then we're looking through it at eyes of fear. And when we're doing that, what are we looking for? We're looking for everything to fall apart. We're looking, for every, we're looking for everything to be a mess. The, the, the Israelites are not, they're not looking at it and saying, my, let's roll up our sleeves and get to fight today. They're looking at it, we're about to die. We're all about to die right now. They're looking for things to fall apart. They're looking for failure. Now, nobody wants to live that life, right? Nobody wants to live your life so pessimistic that we think the sky is going to fall every day, that the world is about to fall apart, that, er that we are about to face every trial and trouble. Why would we ever get out of bed? We don't want to live like that. But when we live in complete fear and we got our eyes off God and we're looking at past hurts and we're looking at people or we're looking at our own failures and we're discouraged and we're defeated and we're not looking at God, we looking at, we're looking at everything to fall apart. And Moses is saying, don't do that. Don't be afraid. Get your eyes on the Lord and just stand still for a little bit and see what God's about to do. Because Moses knows the Lord's about to fight the battle. We are, Moses knows we are exactly where God wants us to be. Right? He knows that because of his close walk with God. Now, there is a great difference between one who sees it as impossible and one who lives in light of Philippians 
There's a big difference in someone says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Or the individual says, that's impossible. We can't do a thing. Big difference. Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him that believeth. That believeth. Now, lastly, the faith to go forward. Let's read verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they do what? Go forward. You know how you fight a battle? Any battle? You keep moving. You don't hunker down and sit still. You keep moving. All right? He says, get them moving forward. Then he tells them what to do, verse 16. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea. And divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall do what? They shall know that I am the Lord. In verse 4, he's doing it that they may know. But after he does it in verse 18, he says they are about to know that I am the Lord. And he says, I've gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. He instructs Moses what to do, and the people followed. All right? He tells Moses, he says, you take that rod, you hold that rod up, you hold your hands up. When you do that, you face that water. And when, that, when you do that, he says, I'm going to part that water. Everybody got that? Who parts the water? Did Moses part the water? No. No, God's the one that parted the water. But God would not part the water until Moses did what God told him to do. And what did God tell him to do? Raise up the rod and raise up your hand. Right? It's God that does it. Don't take any glory. It is God that does it. It was not Moses who did it. But God will not do it until you believe by faith. You've got to trust him. And so Moses, he gets the word from the Lord, and it is his responsibility. If the people are going to get across, then Moses has got to be obedient. And then the people have to make their decision. Will we obey the word of the Lord? And are we willing to walk across this sea between two bodies of water? Let's read verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came, to, it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these. So that the one came not near the other all the night. The Lord put a barrier between the Egyptians and the Israelites so that the Egyptians, one, could not see them, much less could not get to them. God took care of that. And it gave them time for the Israelites to get across. So verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. He made the sea dry land, and their waters were divided. I mean, they didn't have to plod through the water and the mud. They got to walk on dry ground. 
And the children of Israel went unto the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went out after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. You see, there was a faith there that delivered in verses 19 through 22. And then there's a faith that conquers in verses 23 through 26. All right, let me read verse 25. And it took off their chariot wheels, and they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Do they know who the Lord, the Lord is God? You better believe they do. They, didn't, they couldn't do a thing. And the Lord, verse 26, the Lord said unto Moses, Now stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, and there remained not so much as one of them. You know what happens when you get to Joshua? When they get 40 years later, when they're going over to the promised land? Those two spies meet that harlot named Rahab. And she says, listen, I know God gave you this land because we know what happened way back over there to the Egyptians. Everybody started to know who God was. How did they get to know who God was? Because God led the Israelites into a corner so that he could do what only he could do. At what time we are afraid, let us trust in the Lord. Right? Man. Now, watch God get on her. It's a faith that honors. Um, let's look at verse 29. We're just about done. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. The waters were a wall unto them on their right hand, on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. Who saved them? It was the Lord. It wasn't Moses. Moses, it was the Lord gets the credit for it. Because it was the Lord's plan. The Lord knew. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. I'm telling you what they're doing now. All their fear is gone. Now they're standing and now they're looking. And they're saying, wow. Did you just see what God did? And verse 31, we wrap up. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. How did they get that point? Somewhere along the line, they just believed the word of God. And they marched forward and attempted great things for God. And God did great things. Amen? There will be times when we will be afraid. When that happens, we need to quickly get our eyes back on the Lord rather than our problems. 
There will be times when we need to stand still and just watch what God does. When we do that, that will encourage us. But we learn from this passage we don't need to be caught standing too long. As soon as possible, we need to keep marching forward in the direction God is leading us. We just need to keep plodding our way through the mud and the mire, the troubles, the hurts, the pain, all of those things. And we'll see what God does when we get to where we're supposed to be. As Charles Purgeon once said, By perseverance, even the snail reached the ark. He wasn't the fastest, but he got there. So did his wife. Right? Even the snail reached the ark. Right? He just kept on going. Say, can we make it? We can all make it. We can all make it. If we keep our eyes on the Lord and we get to where God wants us to be. We can get there. Just keep plotting. Don't lose hope. Just keep plotting. And by God's grace, we will see God do extraordinary things. Father, we thank you for the testimony of the Israelites. I wish that I could say that they never doubted and never struggled again. They always had a hard time looking back toward Egypt. And they always had a hard time not to live in fear. And that is really the root of why they never made it to the promised land, this group anyways. They never had the faith to trust you. Because they kept their eyes on their troubles. And they kept their eyes on what they didn't have. And they never fully believed that you could. Lord, I'm delivering this message tonight to this particular crowd because we need to hear this message tonight. We all face troubles. We all have our past that are filled with hurt and regret. And sometimes that past shows itself and it triggers an emotion within us that causes us to be sorrowful and sometimes even afraid. When we get to that point, we take our eyes off your goodness. And we question whether or not it's even worth it to follow you. And we look back to Egypt. We look back to that bondage that we came from. And we don't see the pain and the hurt. We, saw, we see sometimes what we did to try to escape that. Help us not to, be, help us to not deceive ourselves. And help us not tonight to not believe that lie. Help us to never go back. Help us to realize that back there we were fighting a battle all by ourselves. It was a battle that we could not win. Help us tonight to realize we have you on our side. And you are more than able to win the battle for us. And there are times where we're going to be in a place where we're in a corner. And we don't know how to get ourselves out of it. We're going to question everything. Help us to just get our eyes on you. Sometimes we just need to stand still and just watch what you're going to do. And sometimes we just got to obey your word and keep going forward. Just help us to always be right where we're supposed to be. Help us to not try to control things to the point that we go where, we're, where we want to go. It'll always leave us out by ourselves. Help us 
every one of us to always be where you have led us to, right where we're supposed to be. And even when we think what went wrong, how are we here, why are things going bad, why am I dealing with this, help us through eyes of faith to realize that maybe you're about to do something that we could never do ourselves. Maybe you're about to do something so that people can see your salvation and see what you can do so that they may say, the Lord, he is God. And maybe in this dispensation, they get to a place where they can say, it is only Jesus. It is only about what he did for us on the cross. And they find their way to salvation. Help us to keep our trust in you. When we do so, may we take big steps of faith. May we want to see you do great things. And when we do it, may we expect you to come through. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Seven